0: Uh, well, it's 888 days until William's contract ends, so let's start counting down now. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Pierre! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Thierry Emery Codamayan does.
1: Rolling, rolling, for the
0: rolling. welcome back to the different knock podcast episode number 42 with alexander Moneypenny and football twitter's answer to piers morgan never call me that again <laughs> ever <laughs> never call me that i'm going to think of an i'm going to think of a new one you, Brad, you i mean you love a twitter opinion i, I do too I, um but listen i just you know i just i say it as it is i say it as it is bruv. Or so everyone it's speaks. Just, it's just it's all opinion anyway. It's not, it's rare, it's rarely fact. <laughs> Have you seen that clip of troops absolutely screaming? Which one? On the, oh, for God's sake. Which one? My friend showed it to I... me earlier, like, oh, isn't this funny? I'm not calling out my friend, but like, it's not funny. It's pathetic. What is, what? so explain the clip for me so that I get the context. I'll play it now. I'll play it now for the listeners. He's just screaming. On my mind?
1: he's playing against us on my to... nan's grave he is
0: playing against us i swear to god he's screaming about Willie ann and he's screaming about you know whatever but it's it's just someone clearly aware he's being filmed trying to get listens
1: yeah he's making money off of it like the the, the man has gone from being just a regular on arsenal fan tv to being moved out to new york to run a podcast out there like Troops, like it's a brand now. Like it is. It's like anything. Like it's become yeah. a brand. And as soon as he stops being that brand, and people stop listening, the money dries up.
0: So what you're saying, Brad, is we need to start some fake beef.
1: Yeah, probably, probably.
0: Just, just, just okay. to help him get some views. But it's like, um, should we redo the intro? And you take actual umbrage to me calling you football Twitter's answer to Piers Morgan? Um, I mean, I do take. Let's roll it, let's roll Let's roll it again. Let's roll it again. Ready? <laughs> Welcome back to The Different Rock Podcast, episode number 42 with Alexander Moneypenny and Football Twitter's answer to Piers Morgan.
1: Listen, you curly-headed nonce. I've told you twice <laughs> not to call me that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're three minutes in. Okay, how are you, Brad? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, having a bit of a personal personal life meltdown at the moment. But, you know, apart from that, everything is fine. Everything is actually fine. I think the problem is, all right. is is it's fine. It's just it's just one of them ones where lockdown makes everything feel. Oh my god! Makes everything worse ten times worse. Yeah, it's. Did you know we're in a lockdown, Brad? Did it? Has anyone mentioned it to you? It might be. Uh... I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, from what I see from my kind of Twitter and Instagram feeds, you wouldn't you wouldn't suspect, but we are.
0: <laughs> Influencers <laughs> going to Dubai, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so we are actually—I realised—halfway through the season. So after we analyse the game, we'll have a little look at, um, well, sort of a look back at where we are, how it's going. Um, what's what's the, what's the what's the latest on Arsenal, mm. uh, as, which is literally the podcast. Yep. But you me know, in, in terms of a proper like a proper mid-season review, that's the words I'm well, looking let's for. Let's go for it. Um, but yeah, let's let's have a look at the game. So Arsenal uh, lost one nil. We. We, I'll do the. There's a broken cannon, and we crashed out of the FA Cup. We we weren't just knocked out or you know didn't qualify for the next round. We crashed out of the FA Cup uh, at at lowly Southampton. Arsenal fans must be fuming tonight. Please read my articles. Please give us more clicks. Um, yeah. Listen, one nil at St Mary's. Um, in the FA Cup, obviously we're out. I don't know how you feel, kind of overall about the game. I'm not that bothered. Uh,
1: I, I, like, it feels weird. I, I, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast and we've lost that I... It's almost like I don't feel like I give a shit. Um, and I, obviously, I don't want Arsenal fans to be like, you're not a true fan because you want... on all this shite. But at the end of the day, like, it shouldn't have been... A, we lost to a plucky, defect, deflected cross that happened to trickle in. I mean... I tweeted out, and it's probably my Martinez agenda that it was I feel it was a bit poor from Leno it didn't really get down quick enough, but then again it took a deflection, so would have expected to cover it but it's it was their goal had an awful lot of luck in it, and yeah they tested us a few times, but they never really looked like they were going to storm the gates and You know, put the ball in the back of the net and we arguably should have had a penalty for the handball. I think it's stonewall. If you stick your arm in there in that situation, even if you turn your head away or close your eyes or whatever, so you can't see it and the ball deflects off of your hand, it's it's a penalty. It's in the most unnatural position possible. Uh, So it feels like a game that should have almost like the Newcastle game, just almost been a bore draw and like drawn out and probably gone to penalties and then it should have been like almost a coin toss in that sense it did it doesn't feel like you could separate the sides an awful lot which is a positive seeing as we weren't playing our first 11 but
0: is a negative because we still were poor like we weren't good we were still poor. I think overall what it kind of illustrated for me is something that I think the reason I'm so kind of apathetic is because it didn't feel like the world's worst performance you know the kind of underlying metrics we had more possession more pass success more tackles you know the underlying metrics uh, decent we had more open play attempts and but it it just you know uh, just lacked quality in those moments it lacked quality and and and, and i'm not getting too up frustrated about it because firstly it reduces our our load in terms of um in terms of game uh, games literally games played um, obviously, it's, it would be nice to win the, you know, the Arsenal Arsene Wenger Invitational. But listen, the it's it is what it is, yeah. and it's it's less games, and also the fact that I think sometimes people go, oh, it's less games and less opportunities. But I'm like, listen, the people we gave the opportunities today who need those opportunities in the FA Cup, Pepe, Willian, oh shit said N- Nketiah aren't performing so I'm just no, like well if you're not and- going to take if, if you're not going to take your opportunity then I don't really care enough so the the yeah so I think in terms of that on that side you know I- I'm not that bothered but also it, it just proves what we already know oh, that course. we're lacking so much quality out of that starting. And so much and quality party, depth as well when party doesn't play when Tini doesn't play when Saka doesn't play when Smithrow doesn't play when Aubameyang doesn't play we're not great. <laughs> and that's, yeah. We knew that already. 100%, 100%. So and, and, and that's that's where we are in the process. And I think stuff that we'll come back to in the mid-season review is, you know, we have I think quite a separate uh group of players. Um it's what feels to me like a fracturing group of players. It feels like we've got the,
1: it feels like we've got two squads. At the moment, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, almost. And what's um, like two squads. And what's interesting about that is like, I think this season Arteta has kind of created a bit of a Europa League team, cup team versus the Premier League team. Which I don't mind, you know the kind of the you know it's not it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but they haven't learnt how to work with each other. I think something I felt massively throughout the game was like these players just don't play with each other, aren't playing with much confidence, aren't playing with much, with much match fitness, and that means that in a game that, as you said, yes, could have gone to a you know a nil-nil kind of board draw. Probably you know we edge it in the end and maybe an extra time as we did it against Newcastle with mm. with some people coming on. It just means we drop off against a slightly better team like Southampton. So I'm not I'm not reading too much into it. I do think we should talk about the game, it's interesting. Absolutely. Um
1: but I think it's important yeah. to understand what looks like to be the priorities in the, the league and kind of pushing up the league seems to be the priority. One, because T V money, you know, that's gonna be a massive thing, especially with coronavirus. Getting as high a finish in the league as we physically can is gonna be you know imperative but i saw um and i sent it to you and you would i think you'd already seen it but the clip of oh my god paul merson and the fucking soccer saturday lot just chatting absolute bollocks contradicting themselves sentence after sentence and saying things like we're no we're nowhere near getting top four we are seven points away from fourth place right now obviously people probably have games in hand it's not an equal but currently just looking at the table we're seven points that's three game weeks. If three game weeks go perfectly our way, we could be in the top four. As in going off of this point yeah. tally and table. It just, it's just no, there's, there, there's just no objectivity around what seems to be Arsenal and the, yeah, it's the media, but like there, there seems to be <laughs> the me- fake news media there seems no but there does seem to be quite an agenda around and there always has been slightly i felt there's always more criticism of arsenal than there are of clubs like tottenham than there are of other clubs when yeah. in reality we're 7 points off liverpool who are in fourth we okay they might there there might be game i think aston villa probably still have two games in hand above us so they're likely to stretch that but who knows whether they'll win those whether they're those so it just like there is no reality of this situation and from a lot of pundits and I think it is good to understand that like this league is not shut off yet this league is not set in stone Not at all. Liverpool lost for the first time in 68 games at home to Burnley and I sent you a tweet about it and I think it'd be good to have a conversation about kind of styles of play later
0: hmm.
1: but Anyone could beat anyone at the moment. For sure. And you're not telling me that we don't have the quality that if we stay away from injuries, if we add one
0: or maybe two quality players in January, we can't go on a run. For sure, mate. And like I think, you know, this this loss, people try and fit it into a narrative. I want to come back on a few points you made there. The Firstly, the the, the Soccer Saturday thing. I mean, they're, they're chatting out. I think Paul Merson's not actually a bad pundit sometimes but actually what he said was something like they're not going to get top 4 they're not going to get relegated so this feels like their best op- uh, th- so they I don't understand why they're not going for the FA Cup cuz of success this season because they don't want to be playing in the Europa League. Paul if you win the FA Cup you get in the Europa League. It it just it, it was madness. Anyway, I think there is a huge kind of narrative. I actually I nearly wrote it down in one of my notes. There was a point in the Southampton game where like Southampton were f- Southampton, oh my god, we've got the most sensitive smoke alarm in the world in our kitchen, and it goes off every single podcast. Honestly, you you, you pour a glass of water, it goes off. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> <laughs> no, laugh. <laughs> anyway, the, the, you watch the game and like Arsenal could have like three on two, and they're like, Pepe through here. Southampton will have Che Adams chasing a ball out wide against three Arsenal defenders. And Southampton are through here! And it's like, fucking... And, and I know it sounds silly, and obviously every single every single fan will think that the media is biased against their specific team, because of course they are. But I do think that, you know, and that's a very stupid example, but what I'm talking about is a microcosm of a wider thing, which is there is a narrative around Arsenal of like, well, you know, that they've got to prove something, they've got, you know... And you're right, there is a very different feeling around us a very different energy and every loss feels like a catastrophe amongst the fan base and this yeah. isn't a catastrophe it's a, it's a loss it means we get you know less games we're at a cup competition we won last year it's not like we need to prove anything in the FA Cup we're the, yeah. last, we're the last team that needs to prove anything in the FA Cup I think you know um, Bellerin hadn't ever lost an FA Cup game or something like that the Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I just don't think we should see this as a tragedy and I think it actually helps us in the league and you're absolutely right. We're, you know, we're seven points off fourth. Let's not write anything off. Anything can happen. Um, but yes, anyway. On- and the Europa League as well. You know. We're still in that competition. <laughs> on to the game. Um, on to the game. Line-up, I was fairly happy with. Listen, you know, um, it was a... F- <sighs> Willian has to play at some point. We have to give him chances and I'm, I'm pleased that we're not playing him on the wing because I think he's even less effective than he was today at Cam on the wing. Um, And yet I thought, you know, Pepe and Ketia, Elneny, Cedric at left back was, it was a, you know, seemed fine Martinelli getting his chance. I I was, I was happy with it. And I hope, I know Aubameyang travelled, which is why we had two keepers on the bench, um, but didn't, uh, didn't play because of personal circumstances. Uh, Wishing him all the best. I've no idea what's happened. I think it's a family issue, but wishing, wishing him all the best. I saw someone tweet something like, oh, Aubameyang, clearly picks and chooses what games he needs to play An absolute rubbish absolute rubbish if you can't let and, and f- fuck, fuck the fact that he's a Bamiang and you should just let him do whatever he wants but secondly if you can't see that footballers need to prioritise their lives over a game of football sometimes you've got something wrong with you um, yeah 100% anyway onto the game I thought Gabriel looked a little bit sluggish at the start he got stood up by I think it was Che Adams Adams knocked it round him the um, obviously i think the goal First was a, back. yeah the goal was a bit of a lazy leg from him I, I felt he was just a little bit off the pace and that's probably why Arteta hasn't wanted to use him in the league um i wonder whether he's struggling with the effects of covid you you made a really good point in a podcast recently about that potentially um I, I, i'm looking forward to seeing Gabriel and holding in the league because i think it could be a really really solid partnership
1: of course absolutely I uh, whole i really agree with you i think that um it, it it's not a question of his quality. The man one two player of the month kind of votes for us. Three, I mean, yeah, maybe it might have been even three in a row. You know, so he's obviously got quality. He's just come back from a disease. From a disease, you know, that killed what I think the number was one thousand three hundred and something today. Died from this illness
0: in the UK. Yeah. So yeah.
1: It's obviously fucking shit,
0: yeah. and it's obviously and it's respiratory going to take, illness. And, it's going to take an and
1: effect, yeah. No, and no matter whether you are, and I think a lot of people think because they are professional athletes, it'll have less of an effect because they're fitter.
0: Wasn't Jamal Lascelles out for like months
1: on end? Yeah, you, apparently Kai Havertz is still struggling with fitness since having COVID.
0: Okay,
1: so um, and there are lots of. <laughs> well, again. It's it's tough, isn't it? Because don't do it, Brad. You, no, no, no. Because you don't. You know, but as in, I only, I only knew that from today. As yeah, in, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was watching a, a reaction, uh video to, um, to this match, and the person that was watching mentioned the fact that obviously Gabrielle could be facing the same problems. It wasn't Hugh Wizzy. <laughs> Calm down. Um mentioned the fact that he could be face the same problems that Kai Havertz has faced post coronavirus in that he's really struggled for kind of fitness and sharpness and it's it's really tough about where you draw the line between obviously chastising somebody and being like that was a bit stupid and going well the game real like realistically this game doesn't matter like I guarantee you you would rather win the Southampton game in the league than this game if you had to
0: swap the results I wouldn't, and I think we will if, if, I, th- I think you know yeah. they, they they knackered themselves out, they looked tired by the end, I think they will um and they played their first team yeah. full full eleven yeah um Martinelli, I thought again you know looked sharp, I think his best best asset is his pressing, but you know we he has such a workload, and we were trying to find him in that early period, and he's you know had there was a great little routine um. From a free kick that they yeah, nearly came oh, off with it was him. Such a shame. Um, but yeah, li- listen. I think Martinelli again. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic guy. I think fantastic guy, as if I know him. Fantastic player. Um, I think we give him a lot. Like we give him a lot to do. But Martinelli is the sort of guy who will never shy away from a challenge. No. I'm talking as if I know him. i He's a player who will never shy away. <laughs> Gabby, you know, Gabby and I. We, you know, we spend. Oh. A lot of time together. You, He's, me, and
1: Gabrielle.
0: We we put up an IKEA shelf together, and he just, you know, he, he sat there. <laughs> <laughs> he just, yeah. The, the yeah. What I'm trying to say is his workload is quite high in our games, especially when you've got he who must not be named in the middle, um, in the number twelve Rotters. shirt. Um, uh, who honestly he must have put the ball out of play. I saw a stat at time which was Willyans found the referee. More times than he's found Pepe and Nketiah. Um But yeah, I thought Marcelli was doing decent. And, and to be honest, mate, the the first half I was really watching, <laughs> really watching Southampton. Like the, the, their their vertical. Oh, I love them. Their verticality. The Players. Brilliant. Their verticality. Their willingness to play through the lines. They're so good at making the overloads, and we weren't moving the ball quick enough. And they shift. You know, horizontally they shift so well. They work so well as a team. This is the thing. And and yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what individuals you have, if you have a team of players all working together and you their shape was so consistent that 4 4 2 they sat in it, and I thought they made it really hard for us. And when you have someone, you know like an El Nenny in the midfield and you don't have a party, they can shut him down. He's slow to release players and he was obviously caught in possession for the goal, and, and that came from that. But I think you're right in what yeah. you said. The goal it was just a bit of a I didn't even react. It just happened. It just felt like a bit of an, a non Gabrielle a non-event. could have done
1: better. El Elneny should have done better. I think Leno could have done better. I think, like, it, it just, it, 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 it's, it's a difficult one because there's not really a lot, you can't really blame Gabrielle. You can't really blame Leno. You The only, the person you can kind of blame is El Elneny for getting caught in
0: possession, but then. I think we should blame Willian. I think we should blame Willian. Willian. But I think. Can someone like find out that he's like, I don't know, fiddled, fiddled his taxes or something? Could yeah, just, just like so we can cancel done? his
1: contract and he can fuck off.
0: But I think with Hootle, for example,
1: I think that is kind of prime example as to why you stick with a manager. He got smacked 9 mm. 0 by Leicester, then lost two games on there's the back. T-
0: there's now a Twitter account which is Has the 9 0 been mentioned? <laughs> 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 there's also a Willie Ann. How many days until Willian's contract ends? Twitter uh, account, which I enjoy. Jesus, but yeah, I mean, they you got smacked nine 0 lost two games on the bounce,
1: and has and since then has transformed this Southampton team, gotten some good players in. You know, you think Danny Ings apparently could be on the move in the summer because I think his contract's running down. Um, but a quality player for that Southampton yeah. team. I don't know how he would make the next step up to kind of European football. I don't know who he'd go to, but
0: I th- I think I think he's found his level there really. Yeah. But listen, I think with Southampton, you know, Ing's can only get better, so. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> you missed that. Uh
1: <laughs> Ing's oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for
0: fuck's sake. Um get I don't want to spend too long on the game. Um there was no real cohesion. Like you can just see these players don't play with each other. There was there nobody that playing at an alarming rate. Uh nobody trusts William no Did you see the moment that Cedric again.
1: literally st- steals the ball that's coming into him?
0: Yeah. It's yeah, fucking... I, I just, they just they know he's shit. He's got no touch. Also, you mentioned Hasanutal. I do want to say, you know, he has those gloves that he wears. Yeah. Really unnerving. Just looks like he's always like done a job or something. He's always he's like he's like a mob boss. He's like a bond villain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also Under Armour, which is such a weird brand. Christ. They look like the ones, you know, the ones, the gloves that you can get that like you can type in. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I didn't really have much on the first half. It, it was such an early game. I was just kind of watching it like, yeah. Okay. It just feels like there's not uh, a lot whatever. to talk it just, about. It felt very non-eventful. And to be honest, it just, the only thing I really gleaned from it was that these players don't really play with each other. They, there's not much cohesion. They... They looked lackadaisical at times. And we always know that they're going to go in at half. This is the thing, it gets to about 35 minutes through a match. And I feel like the players are kind of like, well, we could go for it. But we know that we're going to go in at half time. And Arteta will probably tell us to be better. And then we'll just be better at half time. So let's just chill out for the next 10 minutes. It feels very kind of I think formulaic, a lot of no matter what know, teams are playing. I think
1: a lot of the players know that their time is up at the club. Yeah, and they're not. Yeah, uh, and again, big conjecture. Claxon
0: needed conjecture ahead, but
1: I think that there's a lot of players that before that would have run their socks off to almost try and prove themselves now know they're out the door. Like Enketia, I don't think chases or runs as much as he used to, or at least he doesn't seem to. I don't think he's the the main culprit for this, but I definitely think that he in the back of his mind, probably knows that his time at the club is up. The more I watch William, the more I think that he's trying to play himself out of the club, which just seems so strange. Well, he's not playing for Arsenal. Um, Pepe, you know, created five chances this game, which was two more than the entirety of the squad put together. You know, so... But again, he seemed like he put in a lackluster performance, not really ever getting anything. I didn't feel like he ever got a shot on target. Took a couple of awful
0: free kicks. Mm. It just
1: feels like nothing Spe-
0: really happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, but speaking of awful free kicks, there was a Pepe one in the second half, which we could come to. But And Holding, I think, expressed his, his, his discontent. I think Pepe kind of sums up these... A, gr- a group of players, your Willians, your Pepe's, your enketias your your Elneny's, your Cedric's, potentially your Bellerin's, who are just kind of a bit... They just don't really know what... I, I, I don't think they know that they're secure. And I think that's, that's, that's really clear. But, you know, to sum it up, Pepe, I mean, this is a perfect microcosm. Nicolas Pepe set up five chances for teammates today. The rest of the Arsenal squad created three between them. And also, Nicholas Pepe gave away uh, gave away possession sixteen times today.
1: I know, but I, I, the thing about giving away possession stats that I think are misleading sometimes it's often players that are trying things the most. One thing that you could have ch- uh, chatted about Alexis Sanchez, uh, kind of, and shat on him for his statistics was he gave he gave the ball away something like twenty five times a match.
0: But Alexis banged goals.
1: I know, so I don't care. He, he, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> he had the other side to his game that Pepe currently doesn't have. But I don't think I think that's important to make the distinction that the reason he's losing the ball so much is because he's trying to do so much because nobody else is there. I this get is that, why but he, this is why Bellerin's Beller, of course it just sums him up, but this is why Bellerin should not be playing at right back anymore. Because he gives that right winger nothing. Even when it's Saka, you know? Even Saka mm. struggles because he cannot get he doesn't really get an overlap, doesn't get an underlap doesn't get any support. There's no one twos. Bellerin is so limited in the important parts of attacking play. It's that. That it's, it just yeah. limits the players around him, which is why we look better when Cedric is there. You know, we look better when Cedric is at right back with Pe- Pepe or Saka or fuck it, even Willian for Christ's sake up on that right hand side. And it's not because it's all Bellerin's fault, because like I've said before, I think he's an average player, but he just doesn't have... He's It's like, it's the 80% that you were chatting about again. He could give us 80%, but most of the time he just gives us mm. 35%. And
0: mm.
1: because he's handsome and he does some good things for the environment, people seem to
0: want to look away from the fact that he's just not of the kind of requisite quality. Sell him to Balenciaga. Um yeah, yeah, I agree, mate. Came out in the second half, uh, had the Danny Ings chance. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, again, pretty non-eventful until Saka and Party came on, and then we looked better. And that just sums sums up, doesn't it? You know, it's 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 not rocket science at times. You know, party offers us so much more in the midfield, just you can't press him and Samson's high press was starting to to wear off a little bit, partly because they were tiring, but partly because party was was doing so well. Um there was more duels, we were pressing higher. Um, and probably our best chance came out that period. Um, Katia, I thought at first he should do better with the chance, but actually he's, it's quite a smart sort of toe poke, which gets deflected and, and, and yeah. forced to saves. But, you know, again, that kind of period wears off. Um, and yeah, it just, again, you know, having someone like, well, I think it's, it's easy to say we missed smith row or we missed whoever but we i could see the spaces we that we that we you know look 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 back to the games that before we played um smith row we missed someone creating you know drifting out wide coming back in creating those chances from that central area being central because San sananton as i said earlier are really good at shifting and, and they shut us down and created overloads but that where they might have been we might have been able to get more joy i think is in the middle especially because they didn't have their first choice um center back pairing I think Besta Guard's out, so yeah. I just <laughs> it's you know it, it it it's easy to be like oh we missed this player who's really good, but I, I did I did think we we did of course we. But it's yeah. so obvious because the rest
1: of our squad is so poor. I was looking at and I said that we should probably do this at some point with the entire kind of 30, 31 members of the first team we've got. But I was looking through it today and going genuinely, there's about fifteen to eighteen of these players that I would want in the squad next season. So you're talking about a possible kind of 12 to 15 players that need moving on because they're just not of the required quality. And another, you know, seven or eight bringing in over kind of January and the summer. And obviously some of those positions are like goalkeeper. So getting in a backup goalkeeper isn't going to be you know we've just done it with matt the matt ryan deal seems really strange as well because i thought he was brighton's number number one but then obviously you were saying that he's he he's not been performing well but whatever but like that's not going to be a hard position to fill uh and we'll have some academy graduates maybe taking up space like uh left back or whatever but it just feels like there and it's because it is there is such a big drop off between what is our starting squad and our first quality kind of like very, very good squad. And then the kind of rest of the rotters that sit on the bench, you mm-hmm. know, sure. And the, in, the, the kind of the bringing in of Erdegard will massively help that going yeah. forward. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. We'll, we'll discuss that in news and views. Uh, yeah. News and views. Oh yeah. We're getting a jingle for that. Hopefully fairly soon. Um, yeah, I just, I think, you know, the quality again in the second half, we, we, we couldn't make that period of dominance sit. And then, you know, we, we, you know, look at the free kick from Pepe, look at the foul throws, look at the crosses that were going in too long from Cedric and Xhaka. <sighs> again, yeah, it's, it's just what you just said. It, it's it's a group of players. And also, you know, there are some certain players who you sort of go, OK, you know, stick party next to Xhaka and he looks a little bit better because he's not having to be, you know, alpha male. But the those players can be carried a bit, but when then there's no one to carry them, their weaknesses are exposed, and you know even those players that you can praise in other situations because they're not around. Tierney, Saka, Smith Rowe, Partey, Aubameyang. Well, it's the whole Danny Welbeck thing, and the
1: fact that Danny Welbeck at United got won a Premier League has a Premier League medal, but that's because he was part of a big squad of quality, quality players. Saka. Could will would have success if he was part of a big squad filled with quality players? The only issue is, is in these games we're relying him on him to be the quality, and he's
0: not. Yeah. Um. The only other thing I thought was it. I thought the holding thing at the end should be a penalty. I'm sure you got a bit of a rant on the officiating. I I, I got annoyed by the end, but I know you were annoyed before me. The officiating of that,
1: if you like, if you watch back the match. Or even like, it's just horrendous. There's a lot of, um, mo- there's a lot of kind of things that we were penalised for, fouls that we were penalised for, that Southampton weren't, similar kind of challenges. Then you talk about kind of, I think the end, uh, it's almost the poetic justice of us not being given a penalty for the Bertrand handball. I think it was Bertrand or Walker-Peters. I don't know. I can't remember. Who was it? Um, so- somebody... I think it was Walker From Peters. the Southampton. Yeah, it was one of the I think it was because I can't remember which way the cross came in from. It was Kieran Gibbs. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um some but one of the two fullbacks, Walker Peters or whoever it was, handballed. And whether you, it's because you've stuck your arm in and then closed your eyes so you can't see what you're doing, so you're not looking at the ball to try like you've stuck your arm in an unnatural position to jockey for the ball and the ball is cannoned off your arm and gone out. It's a handball. And then I think we got kind of the poetic justice in the fact that, you know, the holding challenge should, I mean, there's a little bit of contact. It's very minimal, but it's by the rule of law is a penalty. So I think that evens itself out. But the officiating in general, it's more that they, he, the ref, seem to lose control and set a precedent over certain types of fouls. So players continue to make those types of infringements without being punished. And it just turned into a, a bit of a shit show. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't great from the referees, but, you know, and I, I hate to be the kind of person that's like, oh, well, it was the ref, you know, it was da-. like, we lost the game because Southampton scored and probably overarchingly, if you were going to say who was the better team, I'd probably have said Southampton across the 90 minutes. But that doesn't mean I can't feel aggrieved at the fact that, a referee has massively changed the game and you don't know how much you are going to grow into a game dependent on how much of a foothold you can get. But because of these fouls and these things that are not being given against you, you're in a situation where you're, all, you're already battling uphill just to kind of do
0: what they're doing, if that makes sense. So have eliminated the holders from the competition for the first time since beating Tottenham in a replay in 1902. This was Gunners boss Arteta's first defeat in the FA Cup as a player or manager in 15 games since featuring an Arsenal's 1-0 loss to Blackburn in February 2013. But as I say, don't really care. No, shit happens. <laughs> uh, anything else on the game, Brad?
1: Um, I don't think so, my friend. I think, um, I think I'm
0: all good. We'll see you after this. Welcome back to News and Views, where we... I oh, know. Welcome back to the show. This is News and Views, where we... <laughs> What's my line? It's like... What was my line last week? Oh, I know, my line. Welcome to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Uh, so, bit of news this week. Uh, Australian goalkeeper Matt Ryan is joining us on loan for the remainder of the season from Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, Edu said Matt is an experienced goalkeeper a proven talent in the Premier League and has also played many internationals for Australia Matt will further strengthen our squad with his experience and knowledge of playing at the highest level um, good backup signing I, I mean I was very surprised I mean firstly came absolute, out of nowhere absolute out of the blue which is really rare these days um, I literally woke up and my friend Andy had messaged me and said Oh, why have you signed Matt Ryan I thought he was joking <laughs> I was like Oh, yeah. Weird. Um, he was first choice until they put in Sanchez, I think his name is. Um, and... Love, um, I just pretended to not be a football nerd. It is Sanchez. I just said, I think it is to like make it seem like I'm not obsessed with football. I am. Uh, I think it's Sanchez. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, listen. As a second... It's obviously a backup to Leno. It's a smart move to the end of the season. I don't think it's anything more than that. He's experienced, Premier League proven. He was Brighton's first choice and Brighton are an established Premier League club. I mean, he
1: does have the worst
0: Premier League save percentage (laughs) of current goalkeepers, but... But but supposedly, I've read up on on him uh, a little bit about him and he's like, apparently Brighton have a really good goalkeeping coach. Um, Call it Ben Roberts or something. Fucking hell, I'm such a nerd. Um, And... um, he yeah apparently you know brighton are quite well well stocked for goalkeepers I, I in, the, in the goalkeeping world brighton are apparently a big big cheese um but listen yeah i i don't really know supposedly he's quite a good shot stopper um i think it's a decent it's signing it's good backup it's, it's a good backup. backup
1: you know obviously if like i think one thing that is always going to mar the kind of water around any new
0: backup mar- goalie signings water.
1: I think I've used that phrase right, or I, th- I don't know.
0: Do you mean muddy the water?
1: Mar- I'm, I know you can mar something. It It's like darkens. Uh, it, it takes the shine off of the signing, the fact that, you know, Emmy Martinez was a fantastic second choice.
0: Martinez, sorry. Oh, you
1: can't. Came in and um, and was fucking phenomenal for us. So I think no matter who we sign, because I think we'll probably sign another goalkeeper on a permanent to take that second spot. Because I think we know that Runison is dog shit now. Um, it's always going to be looked at through that lens. And we're always going to, everyone is always going to be subconsciously thinking, oh, but he's not Martinez. So it's, it's not great. Like it's not a phenomenal, we've not signed anyone who's going to set the fucking world alight. But,
0: it's fine. Yeah. It, it's it it's this, absolutely th- fine. I mean this I
1: think this whole episode's just
0: gonna be us but like eh, it's all right. It's, yeah it's, all right. It's, it's, fine. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. it is that's what it is. And also like it's fine to be fine and it's fine to be fine to be fine. Like it's <sighs> Not every move has to be world changing, earth shattering. It's good squad building. It's good squad management. Well, we had a um, yeah. We had a gap it never in, has to be. We had a gap in the team, which was a backup goalkeeper because we couldn't continue with Runison. Ryan will get some minutes in the Europa League. Ryan might get some minutes. Um, you know, if if Leno was injured, he'd probably get some. He'd probably get some minutes as well. I doubt he's going to get much in the Premier League, but he'll probably get some stuff in the Europa League and good luck to him. Like, you know, he'll come in for yep. six months and he'll do it and he's an established Premier League first choice goalkeeper until very recently. It's smart business and we've you know, constantly been... I, I've, always, not, I've i always... not. I liked Edu before it was cool. I'm not saying that but like, you know, I'm saying when people are very quick to criticise Edu... And this kind of business is opportunistic, which we, which we rarely are. And I've called for us to be a bit more opp- opportunistic and look at the situations at other clubs and take advantage. This is clearly yeah. something where happen- something's happened behind the scene. He's gone from first choice to third choice, fourth choice in a matter of a couple of weeks. So let's take advantage. And we have done. And that's and good. And if he does well, and we still want to sign a second choice,
1: it probably wouldn't be a bad move to get him permanently if we're not going to yeah. bring somebody else. Because the thing that we've missed for a, lot, for a while was the Ospina type. Who was like a high quality second choice goalie? Yeah, you know? and someone who was not happy to, but you know,
0: understood their role.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So getting somebody in like that is is brilliant business, uh, and I I do I think Edu has you know done really really well with this piece of business, and it, obviously if Odegaard gets over the line, that's another great piece of business done, both yeah. kind of with the pull of Arteta and with the kind of.
0: Let's let's um, let's chat about that. So I think yeah, Odegaard. Um, it's looking very likely. Ornstein says it's ninety percent done. Uh, just some things to be ironed out, and it's tomorrow looking, apparently. Looking good for Arsenal on Twitter. Oh, listen, you know, you get Mundo Deportivo saying it's going to be announced in, a, in an hour or whatever. It um, will we'll, it'll, it'll happen when it's happening. Um, Arteta was yep. pretty, you know, as as close as I. He's very Wenger in his kind of um, very in his, coy in his uh, responses about that kind of stuff. But you know, he said, it, "I've got a few phone calls today. We'll see what happens." And, and normally that means that, that it's going to happen. So. I know it's, yeah. It looks look, looking very reliable. Um, yeah, let's. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your take. Like, what's your what's your view on Erdogan um, alone?
1: I a lot of my kind of knowledge from Erdegaard came from Football Manager back when he was like first kind of when he first went to Madrid, and you know because we he was he was brought to the to Arsenal and to the training ground. uh, supposedly and met Arteta pre-signing for Madrid. And I was quite hope I I wanted him to sign. I remember kind of the talk around it going, yeah, do you know what? It'd be great to sign him because he seemed to have a lot of prospect. And then he's gone to Madrid and like a lot of players have at Madrid with the kind of managerial merry-go-round that they do there. And one thing that, again, it's a a slight tangent, but one thing that you, you find at a lot of these clubs, like a Madrid, like a Chelsea, when they do this this merry-go-round of managers and they don't have a set director of football, there's always uh, people that fall by the wayside when the new manager comes in. Purely because, for example, Maurizio Sarri to Frank Lampard, they play completely different styles and ethics and philosophies of football. Jorginho went from being imperative for Sarri to almost surplus, pretty much surplus to requirements for Lampard. And this is the situation with odegaard in that zidane's come back odegaard's now played something like 267 or 367 minutes this season entirely and hasn't really played in la liga and it doesn't and zidane has never really favored him in his time out there so like cuz obviously he'd been on loan last season well, the season before, I can't really remember, to Real Sociedad. And it seems like because of kind of the reintroduction of Zidane, he's stayed for the last six months of this. Well, not six months. When did the season begin? September. So the last like four months and just hasn't really been selected, hasn't been given a run in the team. And for somebody who's like 22, I think, you're, this is a really important time to be playing football, especially when you believe he is the quality of footballer that he is. You know, Pep Guardiola said to, I can't remember who it was, but the quote was, uh, he was at Bayern at the time, was something along the lines of, you need to bring Martin Odegaard to Bayern Munich. I will make him the best player in the world. Like He is apparently streaming with talent and it just hasn't really worked out because he hasn't been favoured by Zidane. So it's great for us um, because obviously with the established connection of Danny Sabayos, bringing him in, I think, could be something to really almost galvanise and revolutionise our kind of options going forward for this season. Uh, and stylistically, I think he plays a, a good brand of football. He's very technically able, likes to drift to the right. So would again, add something that isn't this left hand bias, can really pick a pass, very
0: technical. You know, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I very much echo a lot of what you what you just said. I think he listen, it's I think it's a really good and again something that I just said uh in our chat about Matt Ryan is I think again it is kind it's not it's not quite opportunistic, but it is a bit it's a bit smart. Yeah. This is a player who needs to play. He's a good age profile, and he is someone who is a he, clearly and obviously a huge talent. He's the youngest player to ever play for Norway at senior level, Uh, and you know, so, you know, so was like M- Makeda for United, the youngest. But you know, he, he this is a different type of breed. This is a guy who plays for Real Madrid. You know, he. Clearly, he's rated. This is a guy who got, signed for May at Real Madrid, but he was like 15, and he's you know he's he's gone out on loan to you know Heron Veen didn't do so well, but at Vitesse and at Real, especially at Real Sociedad he did really well. He they cut short his loan at Sociedad because he was doing so well. Like he's he's he he is delivering on his potential. I think what that shows is he's good on loan. He has something to prove. We can take advantage of that, as you as you put it, uh, like like you're writing a Sun article. The managerial merry-go-round at <laughs> Real Madrid. We can take advantage of it, and I please, think again, please. I would clearly write for something a bit more highbrow, like the Mirror. Um, the, <laughs> the, I love it. I love it. The yeah, l- listen, the guy is clearly very very talented is exactly what we need he's he's an ozil he's a young like a young ozil with a bit more power he's great in the tight spaces he's got a lovely left foot he drifts out to the right um twitter handles don't need to change we can have the mo thing Um, i've already changed the different knock to the different nook um the you know the he is someone who you know you go and watch any kind of He's he's good from dead ball situations. He can progress the ball. He can travel with it. He can pick the final pass. I think something that that Ozil, uh dropped back on was kind of he became almost like the pre-assist guy for a little bit, sort of towards the end of his end of his tenure. As I think, as the assist yeah. kind of dried up. I think Erdogan is the assist guy. He's the guy who is in the position where where you want him. And he and something that I watched that he's so good at is getting in between that block of two. And picking that tiny little back pass, or that kind of like that, you know, that really sweet, cute pass that you need, he's got also got something to prove. He needs to prove to Real Madrid that he is, he's, he he can be what what he's he's set out to be. He's not 18 anymore. He's just turned 22, and that's not, you know, he's not a granddad. I'm not saying that, but you know, he's getting to the stage where. He's getting to the stage where, this is my problem, I compare myself to footballers. I'm like, I haven't achieved anything because I'm 23. But like, as a footballer, 22, 23 is, is an is a important age. It's an age where you need to be establishing yourself as a first team player. He clearly works on loan. I'm really excited about it. And also, it sounds a bit pie in the sky. But if you're going to convince a player to sign for you, and, you know, at the end of this season, he's going to have two years left in his Real Madrid deal. Say Zidane's still there or say there's a new coach who, again, doesn't fancy him. And that might be that might be the case. We don't know. Say he sta- say he stays here. He's got two years left. Say we, like, extend it for another year, the loan or something or whatever. I don't know. Or say we put in a cheeky 50, 60 million pound bid. We've got Martin Odegaard at 23 years old, 22 years old. And what better way of getting a player to, to, to come to your club than having them settle in London, settled in England, happy, playing football, under Arteta, feeling like they're valued and all those things. And you know, if this mm. guy rips up, the best rips up, fucking I'm have caught the sun disease. If this guy really Can really, we
1: ble- can we can we please
0: bleep out both mentions of that absolute rag. <laughs> yes, we can. Um Thank you. The um yeah the, the you know if he if he comes in he does really, really well, that is players don't like like i know it sounds a bit silly and like but if you're a player and you're and you've just come somewhere for six months and it's going really really well and you know back home there's a manager who doesn't want you there's a club who with the fans boo ronaldo i don't know i just i I, I don't know i think there's like a there's like there's like a certain thing where he's already played for real madrid so like i don't know i just think i imagine I'm not saying, this is a bit pie in the sky and a bit like, oh, maybe in kind of, you know, a bit of mental gymnastics. But I think there's also a possibility that this is a bit of a trial run. And listen, if we Absolutely. get guard, amazing. Amazing. Of course, because the thing that you have to consider is,
1: look, it's the draw of London. London, massive metropolitan city. And the best league in the world. Uh, best league in the world. Arguably, you're looking at kind of a being, kind of getting in at the ground level of a rebuild of a very historic club. Um, you know, a club that has that fantasizes about beautiful football and playing playing the game the right way. He's gonna get fantastic wages here. And there is there is an eventuality that you can see where if he does well for the next six months, we can almost because a lot of things in mod moves when it comes to your players, like like when I mentioned obviously Dominic Calvert Lewin that I'd love to have him at Arsenal, or even these Martin Odegaards, the player is The person that can that can make a move happen like that, they can agitate, they can angle, and they can make themselves available so that they can they can move, they can go on loan to uh, to uh, and then you know sort out a permanent transfer to one of these clubs. We've seen so many players do it. We've seen so many players. You know, uh, you know the the earliest example that I think of it was Galas saying that if Chelsea didn't let him go, he'd score an own goal against them or something. You know. So there is an eventuality you can see where if he comes in for six months, does really, really well, likes London. He's not going to transfer to another London club when he's all red, because we will give him comparable, if not better wages, because we need him more than Chelsea. We need him more than Tottenham. And we, you know, we arguably have more history than Tottenham we've definitely got more history than Chelsea,
0: even though, you know, they've got the you Champions really League. Arguably we arguably have more history than Tottenham. Of course we've got more history than I, Tottenham. Well, I
1: was going to say we arguably, I, I was going to say we arguably have the most history in London, but then I went, well, we've got more history. We've definitely got more history than Tottenham. It's it's the Chelsea nah, thing, because obviously do. they've got the Champions League that we don't have, but, you know, we're, we've we got the Invincibles. So it, it, it all depends. It all massively depends. And what the one thing it massively depends on is, is if Zidane's still in a job come you know, June, July of next year. But if we got him on a permanent deal, it'd be fucking fantastic. But I think the best bit of business to do would be to negotiate another loan deal come the summer, because if we can convince him to stay, that's what I'm saying. We can say, but again, Madrid probably wouldn't let him go out on another year long loan deal without him signing a new contract. That's something like even I as like somebody who knows nothing really about the back, back rooms and what goes on in football. No. I'm not stupid enough to think that I would let that happen. Do you know what I mean? It'd be fucking idiocy. It's something that Arsenal would have done in the last three years, for Christ's sake. You sell him, you sell him. Even if you sell him for 40, 50 million pounds this summer with
0: a year left on his deal, is he realistically going to fetch you anything upwards of that price? This is what I mean, Brad. Like, you know, say he loves it. Say Madrid are in a situation where they say, well, if you won't sign a new deal and you want to go back out on loan, you don't want to come back to Madrid what can they do but sell him? Like, you know, and they could insert a buyback clause or, I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's, listen, I think there's, it's, 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 we're closer to signing Erdegaard on, by having him on loan than we are not having a player. So listen, I think, and he would be a fantastic, fantastic addition long term. And I know it feels a little bit pie in the sky, as I've said. Oh my God, the smoke alarm's going off again. Christ almighty, Alex. How many glasses of water do they need? Um, yeah, I think it's a really, really good addition. And as I say, I think he suits what we need right now. Like, if I could build a picture of a person we need, we need someone who can play between the lines, who can break down deep blocks, who's got a decent free kick, who is uh, slightly uh, favours the right, but can tuck in on the uh, with with their left foot. Who can athletic? Is athletic? Is athletic has a point to prove. Is of a good age profile. It's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's really perfect. Yeah, it's a re- and and again, like I think as as I said on the Matt Ryan thing. We have to give props to Edu because it's, this is... We're uh, doing smart business at the moment. We've also come in and, you know, yes, pull of Arteta, but pull of Arsenal. Like the guy's come in. He clearly had a a, a offer from Sociedad where they've said, listen, we'd love you back. And and he's chosen Arsenal. So so all power to him. Um, we'll see. And hopefully that gets confirmed. I mean, Ozil's still not confirmed. Apparently again, is it Saturday today? It's quarantine issues and Yeah. I heard. Uh,
1: I was seeing on Twitter from a few people today that, that the rumour is Monday is when Fenabace want to announce. So could be Monday. But again, it's like you, okay. like it's like I remember fucking four or five years ago before Balotelli went to Liverpool here that Balotelli was coming to Arsenal
0: when the, the contract was signed and you know. I was convinced. What was your biggest one? Mine was that Higuain was coming. Higuaín and Benzema were my two biggest ones. No, mine was Suarez. Suarez I I always thought was too, was unlikely. Like I always I was always a bit I was always a bit skeptical. I was hook, line and sinker on Higuaín and Benzema.
1: Oh who else? Who else? There, there there is a couple. There's a good couple. It was uh, Balotelli was another one that they were like the contract signed and I was like oh, okay, it's all right. Um
0: this was peak football twitter in 2013 14.
1: Yeah, hook, like, line, and people. sinker. Benzema, on Benzema. Yeah, like you said, Especially. Higuain was one. Benzema, Benzema, I, I, Benzema was another one that I never really thought. I was like, never like, yeah, Real Madrid are going to sell fucking Kareem Benzema. Do you know what I mean? Thank God they didn't for them. Yeah, Christ,
0: you know. Sorry, to moving my flowers. Uh, <laughs> oh. you're looking very handsome today. Thanks, Brad. That's kind. I've got dressed. That might be the difference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that smoke alarm's still going off? I just realised just moving my flowers is probably the the least football podcast thing that's ever been said. <laughs> ever. I love it though. We are like the anti-football podcast. Um, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, when I tell people that I do a f- football podcast, sometimes they're like,
1: "Really? I didn't even know you liked football." <laughs>
0: Like crochet and dancing, um, yeah. Uh, okay, let's do a little mid-season review just to finish us off. Let's do it. Uh, Arsenal are tenth in the league. We have nineteen games played. Let me just check that. Yeah, nineteen games played, which is half of thirty-eight. Um, I've just been looking at our fixtures, uh, looking ahead. Let's do a look ahead and, and and a look back from from where we are. I think. We haven't got any crazy runs of fixtures. I think after Southampton is our probably this sort of next month or so is our hardest bit. We've got United, Wolves, Villa, and Leeds. Then we've got the Benfica City, Benfica Leicester moment. Then after that, it's kind of okay. We meet Tottenham and Liverpool, but we're it's not game crazy game after crazy game. It's you know we've got a Burnley, a West Ham, a Sheffield, a Fulham. You know games winnable game, Newcastle. As well as you know games against difficult teams, but there's no runs just like that, so I think this is this next period is kind of season defining really um especially in in the Europa League and especially uh in the league, so you know we're 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 looking ahead, but in terms of the season that's been so far what are your overall feelings? It's been pretty shit like i I think there's there's a lot
1: of positivity now, which I feel is really good moving forward. Um, because we are, there's a lot of change coming and there's a lot of kind of resetting of everything. So I think it's good that we're now kind of carrying that positivity forward. But if we're honest about this and where we are, this has been, you know, I mean, it has probably it's been the worst season we've played in my lifetime. It's been the worst season we've played for, you know, fucking like 40, 50 years, especially with the start that we had like we we're, we're putting things back together now which is a massive positive going forward especially seeing as we've now kind of cut the um, some dead wood in Socrates in what uh, in you know Meza seeing sings, we weren't playing him we seem to be moving forward very well but if we're looking back it's kind of that thing of I don't want to Because I feel so much almost optimism in looking forward that I don't want to ruin it by looking back at how kind of shit things have been so far. Because realistically, none of what we're doing this season really aligns with the club that I, I, you know, I grew up knowing in, in in a success point of view. But moving forward, there seems to be a lot of positives for the future.
0: Yeah. Stick with me. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. I'm here. I'm here with you, mate. We have a desk. Imagine an old desk. That desk was an innovative desk at the time. That desk was the first desk to introduce, I don't know, the little slot where you put the, 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 wires down. Then a man came along and for 20, however many years he kept us, he, well, for the, certainly for the first 10 years, he revolutionized this desk. Again, we, we, were, we were again revolution, revolutionaries in a kind of, you know, in looking after the desk and how the desk was managed and how the desk was, was seen. The desk seemed undefeatable. And in fact, at one point, it was undefeatable. Then this desk started to fall apart a bit. The guy didn't seem to know how to look after the desk. We got a new guy in, we got a new handyman in, who we thought was fixing the desk, but ended up fixing the chair, and didn't really know what he was doing, so he left. And, you know, maybe he could fix another desk, but he can't fix our desk. I feel like we've now got a guy in who can fix the desk, but needs some time to assess the desk, take the desk apart, look at the legs, look at the... The, the the structural integrity look at the structure integrity look at all the things that are working on the desk and look 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 at the things that aren't and because of that he has to when the desk inspections come round every Saturday at 3 pm the desk isn't in the best position he I, excuse the weird metaphor but I hope you see like I, I see it in those terms I see it in much of a, a, a much more long term. Capacity around us, the desks around us have got so much better and had so much more money pumped into them that they've got sheeny, you know, nice sheens and great handymen who've worked on desks for many, many years. We've got a guy who has a lot of talent and who we know, I think we know, can be a great de- desk fixer, but just isn't right now. Is is working working in his tools, is he's working ordered, in...
1: He's ordered the supplies. We've just got to
0: wait for them to arrive. Exactly. And and what well, I think the key thing, and the reason I picked this strange metaphor, is to say that I now believe that the person that we've got who's fixing our desk can do the job. Yes. There was a doubt. There was a doubt, and there's always going to be a doubt, and there will be doubts again. Of course there are. We're going to lose games this again this season, and it's going to happen. But what I think now has shifted, and what I think now from the beginning of this season, what that drop-off in form and then the subsequent pickup has taught me, is that if we stick behind this person, they are... everything I see in terms of the the... I'll drop the desk metaphor everything I see in terms of the incomings the moves we make, offering Rob Holding a new contract, getting Matt Ryan in, Erdegaard, Gabrielle, Party. not every decision is going to be right. I'm not saying that, but the kind of the hit rate of decisions that we're getting right are better. And when we're playing well, and we've also got some great young players coming through, like I I feel, I feel as though we've, we've kind of, we had to take the desk apart to put it back together. And we did, we fell apart. The desk fell apart in that period. There's no denying it, but it was a necessary evil. And I think, listen, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky thing to stay patient as fans, but I think we have to, and I think we have to look forward and, I think something that I think can't, for me, d- doesn't feel much of a debate anymore or or certainly feels a lot more steady ground is that we will have defeats. We will have setbacks. We will have, draw, you know, draws and frustrating. We might get kicked out of the Europa League by Benfica. I actually think we will. We might have those moments, those moments, but the movements that the club is doing in, in competition with itself getting those Saka and Martinelli tied down to new deals, trying not to, you know, trying to get play, you know, even things like cancelling Erzul and Tocas' contract when, you know, when we could have just paid them out to the end of the season and just getting, you know, even a couple of million off the off the wage bill. Things like that are smart, modern club moves. And that's what we've missed. And that's what we're doing now. And I think the results on the pitch will, will follow when we continue with this process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah yeah it's yeah it's absolutely you know what do you think of the desk metaphor
1: i I, I think it is it's (laughs) interesting uh but i think it's you're right it is that idea that we are something and we have something that has been falling apart and held together with kind of spit glue and sticky tape for a long time that and reputation. Now it has fallen apart. It n- needs to be put back together and that is going to take time. So we're going to have moments like this Southampton game and we're going to have moments like if we, I don't think we'll get knocked out by Benfica, but if we do get knocked out by Benfica, there will be those moments and there are still parts of me that doubt the craftsmanship of certain parts of the desk. You know the constant picking of William, the sign and the signing of William, and whether it's down to experience or whether it's down to bullheadedness or whether it's down to anything, those parts of me are in the minority, and I do like the the majority of me does believe that we have the right man going forward. It is just going to take time to fix everything agreed. Ah there you go, Brad. Well I actually feel the thing is is that like, it feels weird. I feel way more positive after this defeat and after the the night
0: than I have after some wins that we've chatted mm. about before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh well it's eight hundred and eighty-eight days until William's contract ends. So let's start counting down now. Um mark that in your calendars, and uh, we'll be back after Southampton part two. Uh <laughs> Brad's having a meltdown. All right pleasure as always mate and thank you so much for listening to us ramble yeah. on thanks guys uh, it's always a pleasure all right guys thank you so much for listening to the different knock podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the show you can find us on patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com. find us on twitter at diff knock and visit our website TheDifferentKnock.com. thanks